Hello, dear viewers and listeners. We're all gathered here today at the death of our club. A moment's silence. As for you, Carl, it's a Yankee candle. Carl feels me. Carl knows where I'm coming from. Right, with me tonight, the most important person is our is our new person. It's French. All right, mate, you're you're very, very good and you have lovely hair. I was describing you to my daughter's mother today and I, was t- I said, you've got, you've got wonderful hair. If I had hair, I'd have hair just like yours. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I'm, I'm honoured to be here, man. I'm long time listening to this show and, um, yeah, great to be here and chat with you, lads. Wish the occasion was a bit better. We booked it in before I knew the result, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you were the first name down on this podcast, and then I've had to fill it up with trollops. Well, one trollop and uh, Femi. All right, Femi, how are you doing? How are you doing, guys? Good to be on the show. It's going to be a fun one. Do you know when Josh first started doing podcasts with us, he was doing it from his, his basement dungeon where he wasn't allowed out of? Are you in his dungeon? Just blink or wave and with more scold of your eyes. Are you okay? I'm good. He's good, everybody. He's good. <laughs> Don't worry. And finally, and least of all, it's Dark Josh, who's just had a poo, he's washed his hands, and he's already blown his load of his two best points before the show. So thank you very much, Josh. Good night. Thank you, Danny. It was a pleasure to be on this evening. Uh, And I can say that Femi definitely isn't in my dungeon unless they upgraded all the lighting after I left. Uh, (laughs) You do look like a 12-year-old boy with your camera so high up, but then you're trying to get in... um, uh, is that that's Righty and uh, Ian? Those pictures. It's Righty like, and Ian. It's Righty and looks Ian. Looks like Righty and Henri. It's, it's Righty and Henri. <laughs> yes, I don't like those art that people do where there's no faces on them. It gives me the willies. So if if you do art, put faces on them, please. Because otherwise, I won't uh, buy them. If you do art, don't do faces on them because I hate portrait art with a passion. Oh, get you! I know. I've got an art point on this as well. The, you know, next my shout out will be Fifey at the end. That's how uh, highbrow this is getting. See, Fifey uh, complaining that his ceilings are too tall. He can tell he's loaded because the house he's got, the ceilings are about 30 foot tall. I know. <sighs> right? He's had to, you know, the, the butler's had to get a new feather duster. Disgraceful. Goes around on a golden tricycle. <laughs> Where did that come from? That's sounded like it. Anyway, uh, say hello to the people in the chat. There is Tom Douglas. There is uh, Matt Roberts. There's uh, there's Josh. There's Michael in Sweden. Thank you very much, Michael, for your um, uh, Twitch Prime stuff that you gave us the other day. I don't know if you were there when we did it. Oh, uh, that is, that yes. is, where, where's my thanks? You know, I I twitched Prime it? something. Yeah, I think so. I clicked Ooh, all the buttons. I have a look. Um, yeah. No, the I only one it. we've had was... Uh, Nishan did it, and we've had Bryce Music and Nazir ninety ninety four. They are the only ones that have recently done it. Oh, and Jersey did it Fame. At the weekend did it at the weekend. Livid. I'm going to go to speak to Jeff Bezos. What, you, what you did you use? Oh fuck knows. So you're making it up. You're full of you're full of shingles. Full of um, shit. Get on with it. Right, Julian Salmondo is our Venezuelan correspondent. Is everything all right in South America? Yes, he says it's fine. Good. There's Owen. Oin, Ain. I knew you said it right the other day. Ain. That's how you say it. Uh, there's formerly Noza. One day I hope the real Noza turns up and then they have a talk about why one of them is formally and one of them is not formally. Uh, Chronicles of it. Oh, it's Harry. I was watching your podcast earlier, Harry, with your um, your internet being a twat. My internet's been a twat as well. It keeps dropping down from 60 to 30 and then down to 5. So, uh, yeah, good show. Go to uh, Harry's channel. He just did. That's where I've got all my information from Pepe from Harry. So thanks for that. I've stolen most of it. <laughs> it, it urged me to go and get Pepe stats because uh, you gave it as one big bundle, Harry. I broke it down. Doesn't look so good when you pick the teams he scored against. Anyway, cheers, Harry. 
Uh, Owen again says, a friend told me he bought a Venga audiobook. Why are you pretending you read, bruh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't buy it. I got the free trial. Get it right. Oh, <laughs> yes. There you go. Um, Femster's there. Hi, Femster. Good. Just, just, uh, just giving the people some some love in the chat. Thunder yeah, gives you some the, love back. The Venga audio book was the best way to get it using a free trial as well, because you know Venga himself would have bought it that way as well. Yes, he would have given it a free trial and then uh, and then the sold it to Real Madrid for thirty million quid about a month later. That'd have been wonderful. Russ Morgan is there, and Harry says thanks, mate. Enjoy, lads. Yes. Good show. Right. Uh, first thing we're going to talk about, we're going to come to you, Josh, because uh, while it's still fresh in your brain, oh, actually, you go Josh and then Femi and then um, French. Just talk about the Villa game and what your thoughts about it were, because I know, I know Femi isn't happy. Well, yeah, no, I was, I was fortunate enough to not watch it live and not have to deposit £15 down. Um, was it Greg Clark's pants? I don't know who's. Owen did. Owen paid money for it. The- Poor boy. As I as I've worked out from the Tuesday Clubs podcast earlier, that we have only lost to Midlands clubs under PPV. Um, <laughs> it's a good thing it's scrapped before we play Wolves. Um, but otherwise, yeah, from the game, it seemed like the same problems we've had from the last couple of weeks have finally hit us in the ass. That a team that is decent and can counter attack well against a high line did exactly that. You know, they did it seven times against Liverpool. They did it three times against us. Well, four times if, uh, you know, uh, John McGinn was... I'd say he's unlucky at the beginning for that goal to be given as offside, purely because of the fact it doesn't matter how many people were in front of Leno, he wasn't getting there anyway. And neither was Martinez if he was our goalkeeper. Um, I thought it was just a great strike from him. But it's the same thing that we struggle to get, create chances... And Femi, I don't know if you feel this as well. Do you think Arteta's almost overcoached the players that they they're not using that instinct that made them so great? Yeah, I mean, um, it's something that I really thought about because I started thinking about that game in terms of comparing it to the Emery era because I don't think I've seen anything as bad since the the last days of Emery, let's call it. <laughs> maybe the Man City game under um, Freddie, maybe, but the last days of Emery was very, very similar to that. Um, and then I just thought, why was it that Emery was constantly on the touchline, just shouting instructions, and Arteta's pretty much exactly the same? Is there something in the makeup of this team that the coaches feel that they need to be constantly talking to them, harassing them, telling them what where to be. Emery was you remember we used to come, you know, make jokes about Emery pointing it to every single individual. Go there, stand there. And Arteta's pretty much doing the same thing. So there must be something in the makeup of the team that they see that they need to overcoach them, let's say. Yeah, I think we've seen it from Willian's passing stats. I saw that doing the round post game where every single one of his passes you know, it's just back to the full back or to someone outside the area, not making a penetrating pass, which you can kind of look at from two sides. You either blame Willian because he's not playing that pass or you look and go, well, is he not playing that pass? Because there's no options in there. And French, uh, yeah, run with that kind of point on 
what do you see as the problem with our create or lack of creativity? Because I don't think it's personnel, personally. I, I I see what you mean. I don't think it's a question of um, certainly not a player within the team. I don't think there's any individuals we could put in to fix that kind of issue. Um, definitely with Willian, um, yeah, he got a lot of stick for that passing map and it looked horrendous, but he was often the furthest player forward. So it's a question of, yeah, where was he going to go? Um, yeah, I think um, for me, it was clear that when he first came in, the remit was fixing our defence. Um, talking about the manager. Um, and he he's done that in terms of structure um, and then in summer in terms of personnel, bringing a couple of players in. And um, and I think, yeah, losing 3-0, um, I mean, it wasn't because we were, we were horrendously defensively, but it's mainly because we were horrendously going forward, I feel. You know, the fact that we didn't score a single goal in that game, um, it just kind of, we, we, we weren't ever really particularly threatening and that makes it a lot easier for the other team to come and attack us, I feel. Um, I think it's pretty clear and I think he must know that now this is the area we need to focus on. Um, we were, obviously, until the last game, the best defensive team in the league and I think um, that's pretty impressive in and of itself. Um, but it's quite clear that it's come up the expense of our progress going forward. We we are able to score goals and we saw it a bit under Emery, so we can't say it's just an Arteta problem. I do think that Faye raises a good point with regards to this set of players. Um, it looked like an Emery game in that against Villa, you know, having to cover all those wide spaces and um, just players unable to deal with that. And um, yeah, I, I wonder if it's, um, if it's something about the players themselves are just not able to they, they have to be so rigid and so perfect defensively and have that perfect goal come together for us to be able to score and then just kind of hold on to it. That We seem to be unable to do both. Um, I don't know if it's a question of athleticism, sort of types of players that we're missing rather than it just being one or two. Um, but yeah, certainly that's the next issue for, for the coach to focus on, for the manager to look at. Do you think it just could be a matter of time? Because we've got... Oh, hello, Dora. I'm busy, dear. Uh, we've got our new centre-back. We've got our new... The, the, uh, uh, is unfortunate. You can just magnificent midfielder because he's not a defensive midfielder. He's not a centre midfielder. He's 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 every midfielder. So we've got those two settling in, uh, and plus you've got play, players that are having their difficult second season after Pepe's difficult first season, um, Josh. So, but it's going to have to take a while, isn't it? These people aren't going to all step in and have magnificent games. We're going to win every single game for the rest of the season and go invincible. That's not going to happen. And especially the state of the league at the moment. People need to remember that Man United are near the bottom and they've spent half a billion pound on players. Man City only above us because of our goal difference got worse after the loss. So they went above us in the league to the highly heights of uh, 10th place. Wolves and, Man uh, and Sheffield United, two of the best teams from last season, they're down the bottom of the league. And you've got Southampton and Everton top of the league. And then Everton, after being top of the league for the first, I don't know, month, they've now lost three in a row. But our Arsenal fans that, are, that need to have a look at that and realise this whole COVID, this whole everything, the entire world is in a mess and just go, at least we've got decent players and we'll come through this a better team, won't we? Yeah, I think we will. And I think my favourite part of the post-game was the fact that Arteta came forward and said this was a problem that he needs to look at over the uh, over the international break, that he needs to reassess his system because there is a fundamental problem with how we try and build attacks. It just doesn't work properly. We're not doing it with enough speed. We're not doing it with enough penetration. And, you know, even when I think when we'll go through the Pepe stats, you'll show how well Pepe plays in the games you know he's picked for 
but you're mentioning the opposition that he strives against and it's an opposition that isn't necessarily as well drilled or of the same quality level so it shows that when it does click it's more about individual brilliance than rather than you know the team scoring great goals i think there's things doing the rounds now of look at the football we were playing in arson's last season i mean it's just coincidental that 98 percent of the video of that video is showing all our home games none of the away games where we were shit and that was the reason why he was sacked because he was awful away from home uh, in his final season but those kind of passing moves we haven't really seen anything like that under arteta um in any kind of vengable kind of way now i'm not saying he wants to replicate that exact style but we've got that kind of mentality in the squad and we've got the players that can do that the only real time we've split teams apart is actually kind of from what like a little dinked ball by Tierney over the top and Aubameyang's run onto it that ball's been cut out now Aubameyang can't get into games he's not uh, clever enough as a winger to make more diverse runs because the only thing he wants to do really is cut inside and score so he's not going to go on the outside of a player and if he does he hasn't got the skill or ability to then either get past that guy or then we probably don't have any support in, for him in the box, which is the issue Willian's seeing on the other side, that Lacazette's the only guy in the box. And the fact that he's got three goals from nine shots this season is probably a good, you know, that's a pretty good conversion rate. I know he's missed big chances, but that's because we're only making one or two chances a game. This isn't a, you know, we're having 12, 14 chances like we're used to we're not even getting into decent single figure numbers for these in games against sides. We should be creating a lot against and having a lot of shots. We're almost trying to, to go with the cliche, walk it in, but we're we not even two getting shots to... on target against Villa and they had six. Exactly. And their shots on target. I mean, they're not going to count the offside for John McGinn as well. So he, that was clearly a shot on target. We had a, we had a shot on target? I, I can't remember we had a shot on target. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Emmy, Emmy didn't... He could have just not turned up that day. One honest. came from Party, and the other one came from Pepe. Oh, yeah, I, I remember, remember Pepe, the Party one. Pepe That's... only played the last 25 minutes. Yeah. So a front three of Alba, Laka, William, not a single shot between them. Yeah, that's... that's um, that is... Uh, uh, you, and the worst thing is, you could see... Something I hadn't seen on on Aubameyang's face in his whole time at Arsenal is that that Van Persie look on his face of "What am I doing here?" Kind of look that <laughs> we've seen it on our on star players before at Arsenal, haven't we? Like Alexis type of "What? What am I doing here? Why I don't even want to be here?" But but my my thing is like okay, so if you sort of is it because like you're saying everyone's at home right now, so everyone's watching football at home. If I'll be honest with you, if I was there, they wouldn't have been by 75 minutes, Emirates would have been empty, to be honest. And <laughs> there would have been booze at half time, booze when balls were played backwards. So that's kind of giving them a sort of um they don't actually know what the fans are feeling. So my thing is if we were playing every game that we've lost, say we lost four games this season, if it wasn't like one nils and nils, but on our score sheet, say we were Harlem Globetrotting and losing four threes, playing exciting football. How do you think that would be going down? 
so we've lost the same four games, but four three, for example, rather than f- f- three nils and one nils. Sounds like Emery's first few games. Because <laughs> he had that sort of thing going on where he he said himself, didn't he? He'd rather win a game six five or something crazy like that. Um, to be honest, we enjoyed it at the time. You know, we have we got our Arsenal back and all that. But there were a lot of people who did point at the the kind of worrying fact that we were conceding so many shots on goal. Um, so I, it's kind of and that's is where I feel it's tough for Arteta because it's, it he clearly did come in and address what we all knew the issue was in terms of um, in terms of conceding crazy shots. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I, I think. Um, it reminds me of kind of Unai's first days, and the fans would have liked it, I think, but it probably wouldn't have been sustainable either. French, did you see the heat map from William and all the all these? No, not the heat map, the passing the pass map. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Tell people about that. That is just unreal. Well, yeah, we touched on it briefly. Um, I, don't, I don't know. There were two, two forward out of I don't know quite how many passes he made altogether, but there were about two or three going forward in the game, and. Um, but but to mitigate that, as um, Josh and I mentioned, he was often the furthest player forward. I can't remember what the exact um, heat map average for him was, but I think Lacazette's was closer to Partey's than it was to Williams. And so, you know, it's only so much you can... You know, I don't want to defend William because he was terrible that game. And I don't honestly think him and Lacazette can play in the front three together. But you can't completely kill him for that because structurally there is a clear issue in terms of us being able to build up play and actually having players ahead of him. You know, someone like a Joe Willock maybe running past Lacazette, has someone in midfield who has that um, that that about them um, to get into the box and provide another option is something we just clearly lack. Mm, true. Femme, um, I made a point on the live show, which you said you should have been on because you'd... Uh, or no, you said, good job you weren't on, you were so angry. At one point, Saka was playing kind of left... He was in the left-back position. he came running across the midfield and then he, he, he did a... A pass to I think it was holding, and then he carried on his run across the midfield onto the right flank and looked like he was going to make a run down the wing. And holding give the ball to he was another defender or or the goalkeeper. And at that point, you thought, yeah, that kind of sums up our game, didn't it? Yeah, it is literally just it's so weird. Like, I mean, apart from everyone having an off day on that day, that, I mean, that was a particularly Bad. I mean, even when when Saka's playing badly, you know it's an off day. But you know, when you when you see, I, I've got this image of Kieran Tierney getting the ball and just doing this and saying, "Where where am I going to go?" Or or Bellerin getting the ball and and spinning around and turning to play backwards. And our two midfielders were just overwhelmed. They were just swarmed by. It looked like Villa had like 10 midfielders at one point. You know, as soon as a midfielder got the ball, they either gave it away or they were just being absolutely overran. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to how to fix it further because I've got some we'll ideas that on that. But Talk about that now then. Um, Avon says 28 passes, 25 backward. I think he's on about <laughs> the Willian. I was busy tweeting, so I'd only just seen that. Cheers, yeah. Avon. I think the trick that Emery and Arteta are missing. This team is literally built to play, not even 4-3-3, because Emery tried 4-3-3 and we got absolutely taken apart in every game that he played 4-3-3. This team is built to play 4-2-3-1. And I'm worried that the reason why we're not playing 4-2-3-1 is because of the Mesut Ozil hole in the... In the they, they don't want to They don't want to put someone else in that number 10 role. Um, for it not to be Ozil, basically, because every department is just built to play 
that system, it would get so much more out of so many players because then you don't have to have your number nine dropping in so deep and having to do so much, you know, defensive work. You could have a, a number nine that sits forward and your number 10 could do that sort of helping out in the three. There's, there's all these little little things that you could change. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm not a manager, but you could, it would be so much easier just to get more players in the middle and around the, the forward line. Hmm, true. Fantroid, oh, Josh, have you had a say on this? Because those two have been uh, making good points. You've just been sitting there like a naughty boy. Yeah, no, I've just been messing around with statistics. Uh, Go on, then. If anyone wants to Well, here's, here's a little uh, question for you, Danny. Who has had more shots this season, Lacazette or Aubameyang? I thought you were going to say someone or Leno. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, no. the fewest shots. Yes. Well, I'd say logically it's going to be Aubameyang because I don't think he's been, been able to do anything oh, because every time he yeah. plays, they just pile loads <laughs> of... Um, damn people on him so he can't play his game is that right well no i've seen this one it's a trick question they've both got nine (laughs) shots in the league this season um but yeah i've I've, I've stitched you up like kipper um yeah but bamiang's only got two goals to lacazette's three so yeah Yeah, but then you look at lacazette beginning of the season three goals in three premier league starts and then arteta drops him and lacazette's gonna be thinking what What's that? What have you done that for? What are you playing at? I'm the only one scoring goals and you've dropped me and you've played Eddie and Eddie couldn't score in a brothel. Bless him. I do love Eddie, but Eddie's not I ready yet, is he? he's old enough to score in a brothel. I think oh, that's well, his problem. That could well be the problem. Yeah, Eddie needs Well, that. you're saying that. I mean, someone said pointed out to me the other day that Eddie's only 18 months younger than Mar- Marcus Rashford. <laughs> so he's not, he's not exactly that young when we think about yeah, it. I mean... <laughs> When you look at, I know it was only a 10-minute cameo against Dundalk, but what we saw from Balogun in that 10-minute spell, I wouldn't, it's too um, over-the-top and irrational to say that he did more than Eddie's ever done in his Arsenal career in those (laughs) 10 minutes. But it just felt like what he did off the ball there was so much more to his game and it's what we need. And it's why I cried out for Eddie to be a man and stay at Leeds and not come back to Arsenal crying. So, oh, the Argentinian man wouldn't play me. Oh, Patrick Bamford's getting more time on the pitch than me. Fucking twat. Oh, I'm going to go back to Arsenal. Try my hand there. Is that, yeah, is that right. verbatim what he said? That is more or less, I believe, live footage. <laughs> from from London Colney when he came back with his tail between his legs because he, the bad man Bielsa wouldn't give him game time over Patrick Bamford, who has got seven goals this season. Who would have seen that coming? I mean, he's outscored our entire forward line in the Premier League. A guy that mm. could score in a brothel when he played for Palace in the league. So I think that's one of the big things is we've got this weird flux where... Lacazette has shown he's not necessarily the right striker for us, but the fall off in quality for someone that could do that job for us is so huge. Lacazette is our best option. Might not We might not like it, but he is our best option at centre forward. Should we look to bring Aubameyang in? Yeah, but we've shown that we can't create properly at all in this system. So I think this is where we might see Arteta kind of rip up what he was trying to do 
and try and get this system to be a lot more fluid because I think that's one of the bigger problems is we're just far too slow progressing the ball from midfield. We do have players that can make runs that dribble through midfield. Thomas Partey's shown he can do it. We even saw El Nenny doing it against Man United. Sabios again, wonderful dribbler when the ball's at his feet. But he ends up doing a million pirouettes because there's no one running up with him for him to play a forward pass to that he's got to turn three, you know, 180 degrees because that's where all the support is behind him. We need to work on getting runners in place and having this forward line. And I don't think Arteta's really worked out how to build that attack properly, which is something that surprises me when he was given all the praises for the work he was doing with um, Raheem Sterling. I wouldn't necessarily go the job he did with Leroy Sane because Sane was a really creative raw winger and the reason Pep wouldn't play him was because he was too inconsistent and a bit too, um, you know, he wouldn't conform to the system all the time. He'd do what he wants because he's good enough to do exactly that. And you see that at Bayern now, that when he's been given that freedom, he will just run teams ragged. But I think we need to see something from there. And I wouldn't put the kind of pressure people are putting on Martinelli. I oh, mean, we'll that's never just... Learn. There's too much kind of pressure on that kid to come back and think he's going to be the saviour. Um, again, I think the players we've got in those kind of starting 11s, it's one or two changes out from there of teams we've already got available that will bring us the attacking line that we need. You do like, like to leave a big gap between your next sentence, don't you? Well, I always take a deep breath ready to say thank you to Nishan, who's here, of course, for a live show. It is 7.30am. Um, I don't know where he is. I think that he could possibly in, be in Norwich. I'm not sure. It was the last person to give us his Prime subscription on Twitch. It cost you nothing. You get $2.50 that if you don't give us to us or give it away to any of your other favourite Twitch streamers, it just goes back in Jeff Bezos' pants. Uh, French, have you seen Balogun play? Because uh, the times I've seen him play, comparing Balogun and Eddie is like comparing an Alan Smith v uh, an Ian Wright. Um, I'd like to see them both play because they've both been magnificent for the the under-18, under-21, under-23s. What's your thoughts on what we could possibly do with what we got? Yeah, well, I mean, I saw him play for, what was it, 10 minutes against Dundalk and I instantly changed my my handle on Twitter to uh, follow win Ballagun. (laughs) So, you know, I'm part of the Balogun hive. We're spreading the Balogun propaganda. It's the Balogun agenda. He's the next best thing. I'm, I'm... I, I loved what I saw, basically. You know, it was obviously a, a very short cameo and um, it was funny. It was almost like, you know, Nelson, some of our players didn't recognise what it looked like when uh, our centre forward made, like, good runs and had good movement because they didn't want to give him the ball and I was really frustrated. But um, it's probably a bit of, you know, uh, not he's a new player and, and, you know, just calm down a little bit. I don't know what why Nelson didn't release him a couple of times. But, he yeah, he looks good. He looks impressive. But the, the point about... I guess Arteta is that he doesn't seem to put a lot of trust at the moment in um, in some of our younger players. Mm. Um, when he first came in, we saw players like Joe Willock. Um, obviously, Saka doesn't really count, but you know a lot of players get more time. Maitland Niles as well. Um, and now it feels like he's kind of going back to experience. You saw it a bit at the end of the FA Cup run as well. You know, he's playing a much more senior team in that final game um, as compared to some of the league teams he was starting earlier on. Um, and one point that I'm kind of curious with, um, uh, Josh mentioned Martinelli. 
Um, and we, I mean, Arsenal fans, you think he's a saviour. We don't know that Arteta thinks that because he didn't see a lot of time under Arteta at the end of last season. Um, and I think a lot of people were curious if there was an injury or something, if that was, obviously an injury came later on, but if that was maybe why, uh, if he just saw he got tired. But it was odd to me that he came in when Aubameyang had that red card, scored, was it, two or three goals in three or four games, and then we didn't see him again for the rest of the season. And um, and so I wonder if there's something with, um, you know, our new manager, he's only been in, he has only been a manager for about nine, ten months or whatever, or a year now. And... Um, Maybe he's been, well, we know, we, I think we all know he's probably been a bit too conservative in some areas and he needs to maybe let loose in some areas. Maybe he doesn't trust some of the players enough, but it seems like he's being conservative in the sort of age groups he's, he's choosing to, to stick with. And, um, you know, bringing in Willian, giving Aubameyang a new contract, Thomas Partey, 27 years old. There's a kind of profile there that, um, that you're seeing. Obviously, we did get a couple of younger players in as well, but... Yeah, I just wonder um, if that's something that we need to look that you know to pay attention to, and hopefully that Arteta will um, will kind of change, maybe giving some of these younger players a bit more of a chance. I mean, I was surprised to see that Willock didn't even make the bench against Villarreal when we needed a goal, um, and none of our midfielders looked like they were going to help out in the box. You you kind of look back on that in hindsight, and you know um, you, you wonder. Yeah, I was I was um, I was literally thinking. Exactly what you're saying about Martinelli. Every time someone talks about Martinelli, I just remember the last three games, I think, before he got injured, he didn't even come on the pitch, let alone start a game. And I remember everyone he's saying, Oh, why is he not playing him? Why is it and I just thought there's some if you think about where if you think about okay, let's look at Pep and the treatment of Phil Folden, for example. Think about until this season what was everyone's question always? The, the media were always like, where's Phil Foden? Why is he not playing? Why is he not playing? It's the same thing that we're seeing with all our young players, which is he didn't go out on loan um, and Pep treated him a certain way. Even now, you know, he's in and out, but, you know, he's played, he's getting more minutes now, but it's literally the way that Arteta is treating all of our young players. And I think there's something that we've missed a trick with some of these guys, as in, we saw how talented they were. And the difference between us and what Chelsea did was Chelsea had these Reese Jameses and uh, what's his name? The one that just never gets dropped by England or Chelsea. What's his name? Mason Mount. <laughs> Mason Mount. They, they saw how, <laughs> they saw, Mason Mount. <laughs> they saw how talented they were. They had a belief in them. And they sent them somewhere with the direct and, and Tammy Abraham as well of playing minutes. We didn't send so now Reese Nelson went out on loan, for example. He got some minutes. Sometimes he didn't play, sometimes he did play. Um Eddie, like um Josh was saying, he did like a half season loan. He gave he quit on that. Um uh, who, who else we got? Martinelli's come straight from you know Brazilian football. He's quite young, quite raw. And then you've got um, uh, Willock as well. He hasn't played a lot of football. If you if you think about it, young players haven't played a lot of football compared to the Chelsea players. So when Chelsea were dropping these 19, 20 year olds in, they've already played for a full season in the championship, you know, and, and we just need to, to, I don't know what it is. Maybe he just doesn't feel that they have enough experience, but it's, it's, it's all really strange situations because then you've got things like, um, like when, when Arteta first came in until the Man City and Brighton game in the summer, 
we played four at the back every single game. So then we switched to three at the back, and it looks like we just we're stubborn so much now that it's all these weird things. And I just really hope that this two weeks just gives him a chance to just reflect on everything. To be honest, sorry, I just I saw someone call out my French credentials there in the chat, um, asking if I was actually French. Um, oui, je suis actuellement français. Désolé, c'est pas ma faute. <laughs> he said, my donkey is sick. Where is the swimming pool? <laughs> I actually got sent out of French class in 1982 when uh, Miss, Miss Yato said, uh, what is la piscine? I said, the toilet. I was asked to leave. And then she gave me, you just have to write lines. And I had to do two sides of A4 on the contents of the inside of a ping pong ball. Miss Yato was a legend. Horrible woman. Drove a Jeep, Jeep Cherokee, actually, left-hand drive. There you go. Write that down because uh, I'll forget it soon. Um, Josh, you asked me for some stats on Mr. Martinelli. I have I have stuffed all those stats down your pants. Do you like the stats that I've given you? I think I've put nine nine games as left wing. I think one of them he came on those nine games. He came on and played up front for a quarter of an hour. Yeah, it's just one of those things that I don't know. Yeah, because I get the same same feeling as the other guys that I don't feel like Martinelli played an awful lot under Arteta. But I think that's because he played all before lockdown. And then, obviously, no one remembers what happened in March. Well, if you want it, he Three. played in the Europa League. He um 58 minutes and 15 minutes against Olympiacos. And then he came back from hamstring injury. And in the league, he played 20 minutes against Palace. And then he played the full 90 minutes against Sheffield United scored, Chelsea scored, and right wing Burnley, 0-0. And then he played the third, fourth, and fifth rounds of the FA Cup. 23 minutes against Leeds, 90 minutes against Bournemouth with, a, with one assist, and 90 minutes against Portsmouth and with nothing, and, and played left wing in all of those. Yeah, and then I think he got injured after that, didn't he? Because he got injured. Knee, knee injury. Yeah, yeah it says knee injury. Uh, I don't know what game that was in. I think it was in yeah. training that he got injured. It was in training, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he, the, all the last games he played, he all played 90 minutes of all of them, I think. Yeah. He's not, yeah. he's, he's not going to come back and suddenly fix all of our problems, is he? No, but I also don't think he's necessarily as out of favour as some of us might perceive him to be. Yeah, Without, I, think, I, think, yeah. I think for me the, the, the questions were at the time. I, wonder, I, I saw there was a few um, uh, substitute appearances. I was wondering mm. um, how many starts he got out of those nine, if you could see. But my, the, the reason I, I think a lot of people were quite curious is because when Aubameyang went away and had that red card and couldn't play for three games or whatever it was, um, he really did kind of save us. You know, he scored he scored quite a few goals in a short period of time. Definitely don't expect him to to then be, you know, just a nailed-on starting 11 player. Yeah. But for him to be not start, my impression was that he didn't start many games after those Lockdown, three games yeah. start. Yeah. So um, after that, I think, yeah, I think that's where some of the questions were arising as think- to why he wasn't. I think it's something I was going to come on to about why, like back to Femi's point on why we don't see the younger players playing. I think it's because Arteta has been hammering home this kind of consistency kind of thing. And it's consistency is what you get with, tend to get with experienced players. We've seen it. I hate to bring up a, a, this particular gentleman on the podcast, but a Jose Mourinho team. The reason why he brought in all of those experienced players was because he knew he'd get at least a six, seven out of 10 from them every single week. And then maybe have one youngster in there, some kind of creative outlet, get you all the goals, then just drop him, shut up shot for the rest of the season. That's how he'd churn out all those uh, league wins. 
And I think that's what we're seeing from ourselves, especially the stuff he says about Pepe. Yeah. Especially that kind of thing, because he looks younger than he actually is in the way that he plays, how raw he is. But I think we can kind of carry that over to like a Willock. I think Willock's interview after the Mulder game, where he was like, again, he's just trying to get into the team, try and show to the manager and prove that he can play consistently well. Yeah, and then they can come in. And I think maybe that's what Arteta's been doing. He's been hammering to these younger players. I'm going to stick Willian in. You know what? He's going to play every week, and I know it's going to be a six out of ten every week. And I know Pepe, you can give me sevens and eights, but you don't always give me sevens and eights. Sometimes you turn out a four. If you can just drop a six as your low level, fine. He just needs to bring that bottom performance up a bit, and then we kind of see him unleashed. Which I think was what Pepe was saying in his interview as well, that if, you know, Arteta's told him all these things about why he's not playing and it's frustrating and he is frustrated that he's not getting on to the Premier League side and not starting those games, but he can also see what Arteta's trying to say to him, that bring your base performance up a bit and then you'll be in and you can happily, you know, have a game where you're not that great and put in a six six out of ten performance and you won't get dropped. But you've yeah. got to also then produce those eights at the same time. I, to- I totally agree. I think that's. Ex- I think you're bang on with mm-hmm. that's his approach. Um, and I think that's probably where some people are. Then you know, depending on how you look at football, raising another criticism, you know, of of our coach in terms of where he is in the development stage. That maybe he is. You know, that's where people are saying maybe he is a bit too conservative with um, and 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 just needs everything. Maybe he's a bit too controlling. I think that's the word. Mm-hmm. And saying that people leveled up Guardiola as well. That he's a bit of a a control freak sort of manager. Um, I'm not necessarily convinced that's the case, but I've seen a lot of that going around in, in WhatsApp groups. And um, yeah, I think it's, um, I, I hope that, you know, eventually he does just look at it and just say, right, well, we just don't have what Pepe offers. We don't have that kind of danger. And um, yeah, you know, at some point that has to kind of, you know, have to sort of change it up. You know, you know what you're saying about sixes and out of ten. It, the control is what, what's happening with the control and the, the rigidness is we're getting a lot of six and seven performances out of 10 from every single player. <laughs> but what we're not getting is anything above eights and nines out of 10. So if there's actually a good performance, it stands out to us so much mm-hmm. that we're just like, wow, that was an amazing, because every single player is performing at six and so just steady eddies. Yeah. I mean, a Villa fan was saying, um, I know a couple of Villa fans I used to work with, they just annoy me so much. Um, they were saying that, you know, players like Matty Cash, like he would, Arsenal would never buy a player like that, but he's the type of player that will give you a four out of 10 one week, but he might give you a, a nine or eight out of 10. I, you know, I was in a group chat the other day and I said, I, I, at one point in that match, I said, I would sell the whole Emirates Stadium to get, Jack Grealish because <laughs> he's so 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 good and it just reminds me that we just don't we just need some star quality somewhere in that team and someone's just got a break free so a player like Pepe can give you a 8 9 out of 10 one week and then a 4 out of 10 another week even game to game he does that the, the Europa League first half so he's been He's been terrible, and then in the second half, he's like, oh, look. That's that's the player that we like. So we yeah. we we do have to just let the shackles off a bit, you know. We have got players like Reese Nelson who literally cannot get a look in, and I'm like, I like Reese Nelson. A lot of people don't like him, but I'm like, I like him. He 
offers something different. You know, he's. He, I, I don't see what the difference between his level and Williams' level is. Uh, that sounds really stupid, but I just don't see it personally. That's a good point. No, I, I get that, and I think uh, the other thing on Jack Grealish and having him in the squad. Look at how many players Villa got around him. When he's on the ball, Ross Barkley is breaking a neck to make sure that he's an option to him. Ollie Watkins is flying down the middle, make sure Grealish has got an outlet to him. John McGinn, again, another player. These three players are making sure that they are available for uh, Grealish to play a pass to them. If Grealish went into our side, would you see Lacazette making that kind of run under Arteta at the moment? Would you see Danny Ceballos making one of those runs from midfield? Kieran Tierney might make a run on the overlap. That's probably the only player. But again, I can say Matt Target, because now I can remember who the Villa left-back is, uh, is also making those overlapping runs for Grealish. So he's got those options. We saw, uh, I think it's the second, no, uh, the first goal in the first half. I'm pretty sure it comes from a Matt Target ball across. Is That's where the big chances are created, because he had options. And that's the big problem we're getting at the moment is if Pepe's got the ball, where is that midfielder being directed to run, get in support of him? And you can't say, oh, we haven't got players that can do that because we do. We've seen them do those kind of things. They're just not being directed to do it. And again, I'm not levelling complete criticism at Arteta for this, but I do believe we're in the position now where he's outside of his honeymoon period. It's coming up to his a year in the job. We kind of work out now what his style of play is. He's spoken enough about what his philosophy is, even if we've not necessarily seen the finished product on the pitch. But we understand what he's doing. And we just need to, I think it is the time that we can start kind of pushing back and saying these kind of things and questioning what he's doing because it's not all completely unknown for us now. I totally agree. I think I think that's a, I think you make a, a good point in terms of um, who would actually be making those runs. And mm. yeah, it, it, you're totally right. They would be making those runs if they were being coached to make those runs. Um, but that, it comes back to what we were mentioning before in terms of maybe having coached some of that natural instinct mm. and kind of um, initiative out of them to a degree. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think if we get the options to get someone like, as we mentioned, Joe Willock, I think is the closest from that kind of Europa League team to getting in the Premier League team, especially if we stick with three in midfield, yeah. because he can kind of show that he can make those dynamic runs and still get back and defend as well. And I think that's perhaps one of the worries that Artes has got, as he was so headstrong about making sure our defence was solved. And he's got a great assistant in Steve Round to make sure, you know, he did great work under Moyes at Everton and that's where Arteta, you know, worked with him. And we all know how well David Moyes could sort out a defence. You know, he's not necessarily in the Allardyce or Poulis kind of uh, Hall of Famers that you'd you'd call out as great defensive coaches in the English game, but he was one of them and is one of them. And having an assistant from there, you can kind of see that it's kind of harsh to say Arteta almost seems like a bit more of a Moyes than a Guardiola occasionally in what we see his teams do with how laid back they are. But uh, Femi, I don't know what you kind of think about that as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not Arteta out, but I'm going to just 
I'm just going to say some stuff about that. I'm not happy with him. Okay, so one of the things is your philosophy as a manager. I've heard so many people say, you know, oh, look how Klopp was early on with Liverpool and that's the template and all that type of stuff. The difference is Klopp had a template and a philosophy, which was that fast pressing, fast football, even with the bad players that he had at the time, they had a certain way of playing, which is why I said they used to let in a lot of goals, but they used to score a lot of goals as well. Whereas Arteta kind of came in with one style and then he switched it two or three times, which for me is a little bit, that worries me a bit. Um, It's like we started with the high tempo closing down I think, remember, we used to burn out, you know, at halftime most of the games and teams, you know, there were so many games that by 60 minutes we were totally just hanging on for dear life. And then, obviously, maybe he thought, okay, and I've seen so many managers come in and try that with us. So there must be something in the makeup of this team that is not built for that type of football. So then he's thought, okay, let me try a different way. Whereas, you know, obviously, is first year of management he hasn't maybe built in a philosophy that is permanent in his in his sort of management style forever but if he's constantly changing you know it it it, it gets really weird doesn't it that that's my one of my worries it's like what is our philosophy attacking philosophy i just don't see any sort of just get the ball wide and cross it in okay but that's what emery's attacking philosophy was and he was literally criticised for that, you know, get the ball to Kolasinac and he'll hit the first man. That's That was the joke on the Emery. Now it's get it to Tierney, you're whipping a great cross <laughs> it's for someone to miss or not to be in there. But, you know, it's 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 just a learning curve, you know. it's we, we, We're growing with the manager. The team's evolving. The fans have to evolve. It's what we signed up for. So we just have to support it and, and try and do the best we can as fans as well as players manager and i think it's same as what we were kind of saying about the players you know how we're he's looking at experience because he's he'd rather a you know a six or seven out of ten performance than an eight or a nine it's the same with our manager you know he is that raw talent he is giving us these kind of nine out of 10 performances, Man United, but he's also throwing in these kind of, you know, Nicolas Pepe turns up on the field, can't beat a single man and only hits, you know, every single corner, either goes straight out of play or hits the first man slash four out of 10 performances we see from him a la Villa or Leicester. Um, I'm trying to think of another one off the top of my head. I think Brighton as well. We've been generally poor in these kind of games, but that's because our manager is having these kind of instabilities. If you've got, like as you said, as a Klopp, come straight in, he's got a philosophy that he's built over eight years of management in Germany. He knows what works. He can be the stable kind of eight or nine out of ten performer every single game. And he can chop and change and take those risks in the team because he can sort out, you know, if Jordan Henderson is ever actually a good player or not. They could choose not to bring him in um, or the kind of forward line. They can kind of sort themselves out. He's got that experience. And I think that's what the worry is. Well, not worry with Arteta. I don't think any of us here are even close to Arteta out. We're just very much of a, he is a raw manager, a bit like we've got raw players in the time. But unfortunately for the big games, we can't switch out Arteta for, a, you know, like a 
Arsene Wenger to give us that kind of, we need you for these kind of games instead. But. Jonathan Porter makes a, a good point here. He says, uh, the trouble is we all... You, the trouble we always have is you can only pick 11 at a time and our best player is always the one that isn't playing. Good point. Saliba is the best centre-back ever, yet most of us, I bet, have never seen him play. I've seen him play, I think, three times. Looked good the whole time. Seems to be strolling around the pitch most of the time because he's, he's, he's that much better than everyone else. So I thought I'd go and actually dig up all of his games. So his first game, MK Dons, we beat them 4-1. He played 46 minutes. We played three at the back with Holding and Tierney and him. And then he played for the under-23s. I mean, the under-23s played and he didn't play. Under-23s played Chelsea, he didn't play. And then in the League Cup, I didn't know this. Did you know he was a sub when we beat Leicester 2-0? No? Nor no. did I. Apparently he was. And then the R under-23s played Man United and he played the full 90 minutes at the back with um, an 18-year-old Kirk and a 21-year-old Dins, Dins EYI. Dins A. Dins I. Hmm. Uh, then he played, didn't play for the under-23s against Man City. And then the under-23s played Liverpool, and he played 77 minutes. We were back two with Joel Lopez, who was a magnificent left wing, left back, or left uh, wing back. He's only 18. And then he played tonight in the under-21s, which is with the, the, the Papa John's Pizza Cup, I think it's called, or something like that. Papa he John's played, Trophy. Hey, there we go. Um, we've just got Papa John's and St. Ives. So... Um, we're gonna have, we're gonna have Pepper Johns next week, and so tonight he played a full ninety minutes. And do you know who his partner was at the back for the under twenty ones? I do. I believe it's twenty five year old Callum Chambers. Hey, <laughs> ding dong! And also playing for Gillingham, that their goal scorer was a bloke who try Trey Coyle. It's too many wires in that for me. It's on loan from us, isn't he? He certainly is. They didn't mention that, and also Willock the Elder was there now you know i love must me a little bit of willocks uh willock the elder he was born in 1996 he went arsenal released joined man united in 2011 and then he joined gillingham in 2019 he's not really done much there and did, um, then did zach medley play for gillingham as well he tonight, did played left back i heard yes tonight oh. he's on loan oh, there yeah. as well we've got a couple out of gillingham i know we've got a couple of them there oh, you're back do you wash your hands very unlike josh Hey, that must be really weird for those um for Trey Coyle and um Zach Medley playing against all their when you score. <laughs> yeah, playing literally against their their same age group mm. that they were playing with for Arsenal. Mm. Um, yeah, that's yeah, weird. And the same so for Willock when he's playing against Chambers. <laughs> yeah, they've they, they, they yeah. I don't know if they were there long enough. Southampton. Yeah. But it's only really worked out for one of the Willocks. One went to Man United, one went to Benfica, and one stayed at Arsenal. And now he's magnificent. And like you lot have been talking about, I would love to see Paul um, uh, Nelson and Grealish remind me of Paul Merson a little bit. Socks down, running at you. We saw, it's just my the last bit on the Villa game. We saw before that goal that was ruled offside for, for Villa, we saw Grealish running at our players and uh, no one wanted to go near him because that they were worried they were going to take him down because he's so tricky. And that's what one of you said. We need someone who's just going to run at the players, full of confidence. You're going to have to stop me because I'm not stopping. You're going to have to bring me down or foul me or I'm going to get a penalty. And he's not a diver. He's just he's just a breath of fresh air. But this shows you how broken English football is. I don't. I'm English. as I always say, I don't support England. And then I'm also, I think, Sweden. That's the team I'm going to go for. And uh, we saw in the, the England friendly, he played the first game. Magnificent. Ran that game. Next two games, didn't play. 
that that sums up the England national team for you. Absolute scumbags. Um, right, next thing we're going to move on to is uh, I don't think we've sold anything with any of that lot, but it was an interesting talk. Um, just quickly, start with you, French. Uh, does Arteta stick with that eleven for the next game, which is going to be in two oh, weeks' time? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why? no um, I think I totally. This is something interesting about Arteta, and something we have to bear in mind with regards to him building his philosophy. I mean, he literally, obviously, a is learning on the job. Um, but B, he hasn't really ever had a full preseason in you know, his managerial, managerial career. He's never really had a chance to just send the players out for six games in a row and it not matter at all and just get to see what he's got. Um, and so, yeah, I, he, it's going to be a lot of chopping and changing. And he does seem to have an element of um, the different plan for every kind of game. Um, you know, we press high up against uh, Manchester United in that first half, especially, and got quite a few chances created from that in transition. And that's you know where a lot of our creativity was coming from, um, and to for, for us to then switch that off in the next game was just a bit um, a bit odd. And, and in the previous games, you know, we hadn't seen it for a little while. It sort of comes in and out, and so that suggests to me that something we have in the locker that we're using in particular games for whatever reason. Um, but I think some things have to change. For me, one of the clear players we need to come back in, and I didn't think I'd be saying this, you know, um, midway through last season, but we need to see David Luiz back in the lineup. Because um, before he came off against Leicester, he was our most creative player on the pitch. And uh, I don't think that's by, you know, that's not necessarily an insult against the team. That's that's what he does as a, as a footballer. He's, he's fantastic up through balls and he's always had quite high numbers. Um, and so for us to replace him with Rob Holding, who I've liked, but I've always liked in single games, Holding. Um, I liked him in, I like him in FA Cup finals and semi-finals and against a big team away from home. Um, where you know he's up for it and he's and, he, and he's got someone running straight at him and it's and it works well for him. It, I, I just feel like he steps to those occasions quite well. If you put him in the starting eleven week in week out, I think he'll he'll you know he'll let you down a few times because I don't think he is that kind of consistent Arsenal back four player. Despite you know maybe he could be in the future, but he's definitely not that at the moment. I don't think. Um, so for me, I think David Luiz needs to come back into that that um, that defence. Um, I don't want to see Willian and Lacazette starting together um, again in the next game. Um, I mean, I think what I want to see is Aubameyang through the middle and and Saka on the left, Pepe on the right, um, and um, we, we we find a way to get it to them. You know, with David Luiz pinging it out to Saka. One of the things that we miss with having Aubameyang out on the left in terms of creativity is more threat from that left because he isn't a winger as we know he's not gonna he, he's got a decent little chip cross on him but he's not like a sacker he can't sort of cut in and cut back in the same way um and so adding that you know not only will we have you know maybe a, a more potent goal scoring threat through the middle but we also have more creativity out in that left uh that left flank so for me yeah those are our three players i'd, I'd want to see changed over at least and i think el nenny um really good against united and has been showing fantastic signs since he's come back from loan um but that doesn't mean that he's all of a sudden changed into you know a first team top four player um we know he's now a good squad option which is fantastic but i don't think he needs to be starting every game alongside party i'd like to see Sabios. um i'd like to you know even though he's not been great on form test out a uh, mate and now's um having willock on the bench or maybe even starting a game I, I think you know there are a few changes that need to be made in a word, do you think we're ever going to see Aubameyang play as the main striker? Have to. We can't, we can't have given him a three-year contract to, him to stay out on the wing. Good. Femi, what's your thoughts on all of that lot and 
Uh, we, we, uh, how, how can Maitland-Niles, Mainsley as Tom calls him, how can Mainsley made it to the England bloody squad and then you're dropped by Arsenal when you should be playing in that position? Because uh, as much as Bellerin is, is a... He's been at the club for years and years. I'm just never... I mean, Bellerin's had a couple of decent games lately or decent parts in decent games. But Bellerin, for me, no. Mainsley all day long for me in that position. He just has... He's just so dynamic. He's got everything. I just love watching him play. And another one who plays with his socks down. Always a sign of a good footballer for me. That's that's one that I've been tweeting about, actually. I've been saying, what was the point of turning down 15, 20, 25, whatever million for a player... And then sitting him on the bench, I just really don't get it at all. Because, I mean, most of the summer, all I heard everyone saying was, why would you keep a goalkeeper worth 20 million on the bench? It's like just leaving money on the bench, basically. That's what everyone was saying. And then we've literally done the same thing with another player. It's not like we've got a lot of assets that people want to pay that much for anyway. So then my thing is, why would if you, if you was that harder and it was about money why wouldn't you put Martinez in as your number one and sell um, Maitland-Niles if you were just going to keep him on the bench so that's a really strange one if we go back to a proper back you know a proper back four do you see Maitland-Niles playing proper right back or proper left back I think it would be even it would be even more difficult for him to get into the team um, at that stage and then um with Aubameyang, Lacazette, I mean, the way I say it is you're basically weakening yourself in two positions by the way that things are right now. So you're weakening your left wing because Lacazette, um, Oba is just not a proper... Let's be honest. Look at good left wingers in the league who's playing left wingers like Raheem Sterling, um, uh, Mane, players like that. Those are proper wide players, that creative, that driving that they don't you know they, they don't need service they provide service basically but by playing Oba out wide you basically limiting yourself there then you've got one of the best strikers in Europe <laughs> he, he's just not playing as a striker let's let's just call it what it is he's one of the best number nines in European football he's you know on the, he's been 20 25 goals consistently for at least five years now and you, you're just weakening yourself. You can't. And then you're, he's 30, what, 32 years old, 31, 32. You, how much life expectancy are you expecting to get out of him it, with him as a left winger? He's, he's going to burn out pretty quickly. Yeah, he's not going to last long playing out wide. Let's 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 call it what it is. So we'll look back in years to come, won't we? We'll go. We had one of the greatest footballers of his era, players, strikers, goal scorers, and we're playing him out wide. And at that season, where we should have been building on the FA Cup win, he had one goal in the Premier League in his first eight games, and that was against the team Fulham that got relegated. Yeah, it's just you could be so frustrated if you're him. With all, every, oh. he's got absolutely everything. And you, you would think, looking at our lineup, what's the, what's the one thing that we have got more than most other teams? We've got pace, Saka, Pepe, Aubameyang, um, um, Tierney. All these players, massive amounts of pace. That's what we should be using. We just need someone in the middle, don't we, Josh? Give us your thoughts. Maybe really, someone in the middle, dare we say the O word, in his position, or someone who can drop back. We thought Sabayo uh, could do it last uh, season, which he did at times, but now it looks like he's scared to kick the ball, doesn't it? Uh, I wouldn't mention the O word at all. I think the bigger problem is looking back at, I think the sum, 
the, both the previous summers, the fact that we had Lacazette and Aubameyang in the same squad, you know one of them cannot play rotation as a centre-forward. They both want to play week in, week out for a club of the size of Arsenal. We needed to sell one of them. And we needed to sell one of them over the past three windows for me. Irrespective of their performances, one of them needs to go for the other one to flourish and not give the manager a massive headache and thinking, for fuck's sake, I've got Lacazette and Aubameyang in my squad. I've got to get both of them in the starting eleven, And it's too much of a headache. I think from our kind of armchair position, yeah, we're all dropping Lacazette and we're putting Aubameyang at centre forward. Uh, I'd put Pepe on the left and I'd continue with Willian on the right at the moment, uh, just so we've got, especially against uh, Leeds, I think French made a great point about having David Luiz back in the side. Against Leeds, we've not seen, since David Luiz has come in, one of the things we've seen diminish is our midfield's ability to play the ball through. Because David Luiz has got that, they just knock it back. Oh, Luiz will just knock one, nice, nice one over the top and he'll play in one of the wingers. We don't need to do that because Luiz is good enough. Mustafi, he's good enough. Mustafi can play those balls as well. I think we might hate on him a lot, but he's got that ball in his locker over the top. Again, Xhaka can play those balls as well. All of those players sit in basically the back three. And so our midfield doesn't progress the ball through midfield. It's one reason it does say why. a lot about our, our midfield, the fact that our most creative ball player pinging the balls out from centre-back is Louise, doesn't it? Bypassing the whole of our midfield. Yeah, with exactly. pinpoint magnificent and balls. That's the problem that I think Emery, you, Emery wanted to use it and used it as a crutch because he wanted to make sure that he had a very functional midfield so removed all creativity from it. You can see that in what he did in his main summer transfer window. Ramsey and Wilshire. Well, Wilshire went in his first window, Ramsey went in the second one, and he brought in more functional players into that position to kind of jam it up a bit like uh, Liverpool's midfield. Before they brought Thiago, there's no real footballers, if you know what I mean. There's a lot of great engines in that midfield, and I think that's what uh, Emery wanted to bring, to remove that creativity so there's not many players playing passes, nice, nice intricate kind of tiki-taka football through our midfield so we're not going to be able to do that against Leeds Leeds are too good in that kind of midfield they'll just swarm us so we're going to need a Louise in just to nick the ball over the top and that's where I think having Willian Aubameyang and Pepe in those kind of positions would be perfect so you can knock the ball out to Pepe and on his left foot he can play a ball around the back of the defence into Aubameyang because I think if you have inverted wingers they can't play the ball as well it's going to be, you know, you have to hit it on the outside of your boot to play the same ball in behind. So that's what I try and uh, get into place is that kind of forward line. And then I wouldn't make too many changes. Maybe Joe Willock in for someone in that midfield. Um, but again, it might be more needs must. If Thomas Partey, depends how long he, he's out with that thigh injury. Um, I assume he hasn't gone on international duty, but no, whether, didn't. Or not, whether or not he's back in time for the Leeds game, it might be a case of we just see something like a Sabios, um, El Nenny and a Willock. So as many good engines in there. I'm not saying Sabios <laughs> is a good engine, just saying that's the kind of midfield that we might have to deal with. Maybe a Saka in there because we know 
Arteta is um, a stickler for having a left footer in each. I think I think I think Joss is is trying to just avoid the main thing, which is Xhaka is going back into yeah. that midfield. <laughs> he yeah. is going straight back into that midfield. <laughs> yeah. That would be the big worry. It's uh yeah against Leeds. I do like Granite Xhaka as a footballer, and I think he can, if he's got enough space to do the job he wants to do, then he's great. He's one of the best players we've got at the club. But against Leeds, he's just going to be swarmed, I think. And I don't think he's quick. He's not fleet-footed enough to get, you know, those kind of couple of little touches to make some space to then play a pass, a bit like you see from Sabios, who, if he's caught in a little bit of trouble, can take a couple of touches and eventually, you know, carve himself an opening to release the ball. I don't think Jacker will have that opportunity. I'm not convinced that I'd put him back in, to be honest, even if uh, Partey's not back. I, I, I feel like that um, he's been sort of, in a way, almost moved away from even before. I think when we played Liverpool, um, he was the the one to get subbed off instead of Elneny, wasn't he? It was Ceballos and Elneny that were left on the pitch. So I just wonder. Um, I, hope, I hope that's not the case. Again, I do like Xhaka in situations you know and, and I think he's got um well we needed him didn't we last season and, and the season before when he wasn't there we were losing games but um in terms of yeah getting our, our kind of being able to cover big spaces and having athleticism and I don't think he's been as progressive um recently Jacker as, as he used to be either in his passing uh, and, and one quick point sorry on on Louise um it, it, again, I don't think it's something we can necessarily bash the midfielders with. It, you know, obviously we can bash them with all sorts of other stuff for being crap. But in terms of him being creative, um, so in his last, I've just got it here, in his last season at Chelsea, um, he attempted the most through balls in the league out of any player. So, you know, that is the kind of player that he is. And um, yeah, I think we'll be, we definitely miss that when he's not in the team. Hmm. Right. What should we do now? Because uh, I've been looking at my notes and in one way or another, I think we've covered all of it. The only thing I we haven't covered is no games for two weeks. What should Mikel be working on? Uh, Josh, is it the usual shoot more? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we should shoot more. Hmm. Definitely. It, it hasn't been more applicable than right now. I've seen the football manager um, 2021 uh, yeah. beta is out today. So maybe it's two weeks solid on that for you, Mr. Arteta. And is there a deep damn tactical option there for shoot more or defend more? Uh, you'd have to pass over to someone else who plays more football manager than I do. I know Drew of this parish is very, very much a uh, FM. Yeah, there is. There is. Shoot on site is what it's called. There we go. That's what we need. Shoot on site. Shoot I mean, on site. <laughs> I mean, whilst, whilst there's no crowd, at least there's a chance for Granite Jacker to get some balls away, and we know there won't be at least six lawsuits when the uh, for damages in the crowd. We've done 400 hours on the last game. Ooh. That's what he said on the last show. 400 hours. Wow. wow. I've given up after Football Manager 2010 when they honestly named the stadium after me, the Sweetman Arena. Got Manchester Rovers to the Premier League. I didn't buy a single player, only free transfers and youths. That's how fucking good I was. Um, French, have you got anything you want to add to any of that before we move on to listeners' questions? I need to get you in there of Arteta, mate, telling these players how to score goals. Have you ever heard me talk? I've got no... I'm only here because I know how to press record. Other than that, I'm fucking useless. <laughs> anything yeah. you want to add? No, no, no. I mean, I think, um, yeah, no, I think you cleared that. There was one quick point I saw there, which 
Um, Nishan said is William the new Ozil, and unfortunately, it looks like a Bamiang's new Ozil at the moment, doesn't it? So, <laughs> uh, so the three hundred fifty grand a week, isn't it? <laughs> get the money, forget how to play football. Mm. No, no, I still love a Bamiang. Um, get ready for the questions, Femi. I've got one that I need to answer from Twitter from Matt L. Roberts. Can you cheer us all up by telling the listeners all about the Arsenal ladies, their season so far? Don't mention the weekend. I think he means the 1-0 loss to Man United, but they are the other best team. Who is your fave player to watch? Mine is Daniel van der Vonk, which is also my favourite player to watch. So a few stats about the Arsenal ladies. Forget about the 1-0 loss away to Man United. They're top of the league. They've, uh, they're, like, them and Liverpool spent a fortune on young um, on all the best players. Uh, we played in the in the, the Continental Cup, which is the Continental Tyres, not Continental as in Intercontinental as in there. Uh, we, we played the Millwall Lionesses, Vivian Maidema. She got all four goals. Fantastic. The game before that, we played Spurs at home. We beat them 6-1, which is which isn't too good for us. I think last time we played them, we, we got 10 past them. And and in that game, Vivian got um, two, uh, Food got two, and McCabe got one. Um, doing absolutely amazing. Game before that, we beat, sorry, Josh, we beat Brighton 5-0 at their place. Uh, Vivian got another two. Van der Donk got one. Beatty got one. That's, uh, and also, uh, someone must have come. Oh, there you go. Wow, that's a name. Wabun Moy. Excellent. Uh, she, she got one. And so if you look at uh, Vivian at the moment, she has got uh, no goals for, and then she's got one for Holland as I beat Kosovo 6-0. And then she played for Holland as they beat Estonia 7-0. She's got three against Spurs, two against um, Brighton. She's got two as we beat West Ham 9-1 beginning of the season. So her stats this season are in the in the league, six game goals in six games. Domestic Cup, two goals in two games. The International Cup, five goals in five games. Oh, that's not right. That's last season. National team. Bloody hell, she's got seven in eight. So there you go. Our team are absolutely amazing. Um, do any of you have a, a favourite Arsenal ladies player? Donk. Van der Donk. <laughs> donk, 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 donk. Yeah, I like that. Mida Marsh scores, scores yeah, a lot. Always good. Definitely. Yeah. We need uh, her in the last team. I, I asked this on the <laughs> live show. Uh, there's a certain age level at which girls can play with boys, and then after that, they are then not allowed to play. Excuse me, Danny, you might want to reword that. <laughs> Mind out the gutter, Joshy boy. How dare you? Uh, so there's got to be a point one day where the, um, the the women's team, women are allowed to play in the same team as men. And I reckon if, if uh, Maidemir played, she, she'd do better off than Lacazette at the moment. Honestly. Uh, she, possibly. You know, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. But out of the question. Yeah, why not? It's the future. Let, them, let the women play with the men. I mean, she's, uh, she's going to come in there. She's, she's like a female Alan Smith. Someone's going to get a black eye and someone's going to get an elbow in the chops. She is. She doesn't fuck around. She's going to come in there, push everyone around. She is so much better than every other striker playing in the Premier League for the last three or four years. Um, women's Premier League, that is. She's magnificent. Go on. I think one thing I would like to say is, if any of the listeners would like to create a uh, ABW out of context, I think the, the perfect quote there from you, Danny: "The women should be able to play with the boys." <laughs> oh, <laughs> All right, Femi, help do uh, the questions. All right, we're at one hour ten, so we try and keep the questions to ten minutes. Hopefully, this here would be fine. There's quite a lot of questions, some good ones as well. So. I'll start with this one. We'll go with a simple yes or no for this one, and I'll go around from Danny to Josh, then to French. 
uh, going on current. This is from Ross Morgan. Going on current form, do any of you think we will finish in the top four? Go, Danny. Got to be positive. Josh, you're on me. No, sorry. I thought Danny was saying yes a couple of times uh, in uh, tribute to the late Sean Connery with the yes. Yes. Will we finish top four? To be honest, I don't even think like the regular top four is finishing top four at the moment on current form. So, no. <laughs> no, we'll finish the left with Man United. I'll go with tenuous, yes. How about you, Fem? You asked the question. It's an important one. No, no chance. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I usually say yes to everything, but no, no, no chance. Uh, I, I'll put it like this. If we hang around until January, maybe we've got a chance. But if we keep losing one in two games, then probably end up near Crystal Palace or something. Okay, next question uh, from Jimmy H29. Uh, I'll try and word it um, as best as I can. It says, uh, so we have some of the quickest players. You mentioned Oba, Pepe, I think it's Saka, Nelson, yet we are so slow in coming out from the fence. Is this, is this the problem as speed is something we have but we do not use. I will go with French for that one. Um, yeah, I definitely think there's there's something to that. Um, it's quite frustrating when we see us. We can counter attack, but it does seem like there's something. I'm not sure if it's again the, the kind of thing about being overcoached or they're losing some of their initiative when it comes to their attacking play. Um, maybe it's just that we haven't put enough emphasis in terms of how we're we're actually attacking. I mean, we have very clear patterns um, that when they go perfectly right, you know we can sort of progress the ball quite quickly out of defence, using passing more than running, to be honest. So I do wonder if there's something about that in terms of the co- the players um, maybe not being encouraged to use their speed enough and sort of just, just get past the player because Saka's probably the only one out of those players you mentioned who consistently does it. Pepe at the moment is clearly quite low on confidence, doesn't seem to be able to, be, to, be able to beat a man. Uh, but last season he was top 10 in terms of completed dribbles in the league. So... Um, yeah, there's definitely something to be said for needing our players to run with the ball more. We definitely lack a bit of that. Um, we don't, you know, that those players are very interesting that I mentioned. We don't see them lining up, you know, even take one of them out. We've not seen a front three of either Bamiyang, Saka and Pep, uh, Nelson or Pepe and Saka. And we haven't seen that speedy front three. There's always been, you know, maybe a Willian 30, how 30 something year old and Lacazette. He doesn't have the speed either. And, um, yeah, I, I think seeing some more pace up front would be would maybe make a difference in terms of how we can stretch the game, how much players, how much the opposition feel they can attack us, and um, yeah, something I'd like to see. Yeah, that's good. Um, just to add to that, I'd love to see us uh, going one nil up within the first ten minutes and see how the game changes because we, we play every game like we're we're one nil up through the whole game so i'd love to see us one nil up in the first half josh this is a good one for you um chris would probably love this this question the, the pirate but I'll, I'll give it to josh it's uh, from formerly nozar says should we be concerned about leno's form i see the ghosts of almunia haunting him <laughs> Oh, God. Um, I don't think he's that bad at all. I think we are slightly overreacting to Leno. Slightly. Because, you know, he was our player of the season last... Was his player of the season last year? 
he is a decent goalkeeper. I think he's a bit unfortunate. And I think now any time he makes a mistake, we are just blowing it out of proportion massively. And there'll be people saying, you know, Martinez, they're kind of heralding him as the perfect goalkeeper. When in reality, he wasn't. I thought he was at fault for the second goal that we conceded at Brighton. I thought his position was awful in that. And we're getting to the point, at least we've got uh, a goalkeeper in place that is stable in his positioning, is the back four can kind of work around them as well. But I think I wouldn't be too worried about his form at the moment. I think there's a lot of other things that are going on, um, especially the fact that we're so bad attacking. So clubs can kind of, uh, well, opponents can give more players to their attack. And it means he's having to deal with more shots. But overall, I'm not worried about his form wholly. I'm more worried about our attack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Emmy gave a brilliant uh, pre-assist, didn't he, for the um, <laughs> for the, the the one where where Bellerin got bounced away by Jack Grealish. That was that. that, was, that you saw <laughs> yeah. it. You saw it from the moment he left his hat with that intent. You were like, I've seen that before. He's good at that. Oh man. Yeah. He his distribution on the day was really really good. Um, I don't know if it's. I mean, he didn't have much else to do, to be fair, and he wasn't put under any pressure, so he could just ping balls around wherever he wanted. Okay, so the next two questions are quite similar, so I will sort of lump them in. Actually, I'll do them separate. I'll do Jonathan Porter first, and I'll ask this to Danny. He says, how do you think George Graham would have fared in the modern age of YouTube, selling Charlie Nicholas and buying Perry Groves, playing Goss Caesar in a cup final, yeah, would you? How would you imagine the, the meltdown? <laughs> Some of those decisions, Danny. A bit of context to that: Charlie Nicholas was the darling of the Scottish national team and Celtic, and he scored about 40, 50 goals in a couple of seasons back to back for for Celtic. And Man United won him, and Liverpool won him. And he came to Arsenal for the Champagne Charlie. He ended up being called because he wanted to come and live in London. It was it was the um, I suppose it was the Mesut Ozil of his day. The oh, can't believe we've signed Charlie Nicholas. And when George Graham came in, his first season, uh, he's like Charlie Nicholas's last season. He um, last full season, he scored two goals in the F- in the League Cup final against Liverpool. No one had ever beaten Liverpool when Ian Rush scored. We were the first to do that. The next season, he brought in some other players, and Charlie Nicholas faded out. And they ended up um, selling him to Aberdeen early on in his, the next season. Uh, it didn't really work out for for Charlie. And then he went and bought Perry Groves. Now, people probably don't know that Perry Groves was playing for fourth division Colchester United. We also bought Ian Allinson from there. And I think we paid £65,000 for, for Perry Groves. Turned out to be an, an almost Arsenal legend. Wonderful player. We had him on the podcast once. Um, we saw the amount of grief that um, Wenger got when we bought um, Holding from Bolton. The season Bolton got relegated from, from Division 1. Um, no, League... Championship. Championship. I'm still using old money. It's like converting it all over. Uh, and whenever and when we bought Jenkinson, oh, it's a joke of a player. How can we get a player from Charlton that spent quite a long time on loan in in the National League or the Conference, whatever you want to call it? George Graham would have just come on and gone, "Fuck off!" Like Billy <laughs> Connolly. There you go. That's what he just said. Don't give a fuck what you say. I'm the manager. You don't like it. You can fuck off. That's what he just said. But the Arsenal fans would have gone, "Oh, it's not right." 
We'd have been writing our letters in to match shoot in 90 minutes and 442 would have got an essay out from from quite a few of them. Oh, you don't know how 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 easy like I was on a show with someone the other day and uh no, I was I was watching the show and they said, What was it like with football in the seventies and eighties? I said, Sometimes I didn't know Arsenal's results until the Wednesday when I got to shoot match in 90 minutes. I there was no way of finding out until I my mum and dad were too tight to get a telly with teletext. And I bought my first telly with teletext in nineteen eighty seven when I got my first job. And until then, there's no. And then they brought out Club Call, 0898, 10, 10, 10, I think it was, which is 20p a minute. You should listen to that and find out the results. There was no way you could find out the results, let alone have a moan. We couldn't go on social media immediately and go, that's it, burn the club down, we've drawn. So that's a long answer to a very short question. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. This is it because, I mean, I think back to David Rollcastle being bummed out by oh, no. um, George Graham or, or Anders Limpar being kicked out by George Graham, you know. And, cry, <laughs> and I just think about the if that was now the the meltdown that that those types of decisions would have would have got. And I think that links on quite neatly to the next question from um Guna Craig uh podcast or Guna Crack. Is it crack or Craig? Crick? Guna Crack. Guna yeah. Crack podcast says are the decisions um of Saliba Ganduzi, Torreira, Ozil, etc., making the situation more hostile for Arteta. I'm going to go with French for that one, and and I'll add to that not just those players, the some of the other players that just seem to be marginalised. You know, do you think those are the types of things that are making fans get a little bit more more tense? Let's say. The one I'd definitely single out from those is Ozil, uh, mainly because Ozil FC is bigger than Arsenal FC. The guy <laughs> is just a massive icon. And, you know, people have every right to support players rather than clubs if they want to. I do the same in basketball. Um, so people, you know, come along and support Arsenal because Ozil introduced them. And now that he's been dropped, not just by Arteta, let's remember by Emery and by Ljungberg even. But, you know, now that he's um, not playing football at the moment and not even in the squad, um, there's a lot of, you know, uh, like kind of fallout, I guess, uh, all over social media. Uh, Ozil himself not helping, of course, uh, by making regular appearances one way or another, whether it's tweeting during a game or uh, kindly offering to pay wages. Um, he's, it, it, that's the main one I would, I would single out of those. I think the others, and even the other one to a degree, you can all make explanations for Saliba. There's, there's obvious um, issues around him being able to adapt to the league with his mind state and him arriving, um, not having played much football, even his last two seasons. Gwendozi, um, non-negotiables, um, and we've not particularly missed him, um, you know, in terms of uh, our midfield has looked terrible, but um, I'm not convinced that he would be a solution to that. Uh, Torreira seems to be not a bad decision at all in terms of he wasn't really doing what we needed him to do. He didn't seem to be adapting well. He's going and playing quite well now in Spain and uh, there's no obligation to buy. So if he does well, then we make more money off that. For me, the decisions, apart from the Urza one, that really do kind of, I think, make it a bit more difficult, where he might be making it more difficult for himself, are things like continuing to play Aubameyang out on the wing. Um, you know, given our best player in new contracts seemed fantastic and somewhere we all loved it, but um, on reflection, was he 31, 32, another three years? If he's going to be playing out on that wing and having to track back and forth, that doesn't make sense. That's not a good use of resources. Either don't re-sign him or play him where, we, where he's going to be good. And so that's where I think he is making it a bit more difficult for himself. Um, 
you know, people might also say continuing to play, um, you know, continue, continue to play Willian. I think that's a more contentious one. Um, a lot of people didn't like the signing when it was made. So people have their kind of opinions and agendas about the player before he actually plays. But on form, he's not been fantastic. You know, none of our forwards have been in the last few games. But there's um, there's certainly, I guess, a lot of questions being asked to him in terms of why he continues to play this player who at the moment in the last couple of games, I would say, I would argue, hasn't necessarily been a six out of ten. He might have been below that. Um, but again, none of our forward players have been. So I think for me, some of the decisions are more kind of on pitch um, that he's making more difficult for him rather than some of the the players that have um, not necessarily been playing. I think that's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. As someone mentioned earlier, the players who aren't playing are always the best players in the team. So not much you can do about that. That's a fantastic answer. I mean, the only thing I would add to that is also bench management um, has been an issue. And that includes the players that we're putting on the bench as well, because we're literally giving ourselves no option. So the only thing we can do at the moment is bring on Pepe and Nketiah. That's it. You've got too many similar players on the bench. I mean, you've got, for the last game, you had Louise. What do you have? Louise and Aza Maitland-Niles. Then you've got Sabayos and Jacquard. And it's just just semi simile players. Like it's just yeah. too many of them that are too, and you give yourself no sort of wiggle room on the bench. Josh, you've been having a nice little break for a few minutes. I'll give you this one. It's from Avon Teddington. It says, imagine um, Arsenal Football Club played a few games this season in a modern shift in four four two. What would be your first? Uh, choice for the lineup, and I, I find that really interesting. That modern four four two because Southampton are literally playing a four four two and tearing teams apart with it because it's not something that should just be laughed at. Just oh, it's four four two. You can't play that. But you know, if a team like Southampton can play that, why can we not make it work somehow? Go for it, Josh. Uh, oh. So yeah, I think from the modern four four two, if you're citing someone like Southampton or Brighton who play four four two, it's a very different four four two to a uh, Burnley, should we say? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very much the two banks of you know four across uh, across the field, whereas the Southampton one is more of a four, then a two, then a two of kind of number tens ish, uh, then two strikers. Uh, could we play? That um, I think we probably could. I think yeah. in terms of a lineup, Leno, we're going to go Tierney, going to stick Gabriel in. Uh, would I go for Holding? Holding or David Louise and Bellerin. And I'm, I'm having Bellerin in my lineup anyway. <laughs> um, and then it's a case of having someone like, um, yeah, Partey, Shaka. Can can work in there. It depends what you kind of want that to to kind of do as well. If you're gonna put this four four two together and break or control the ball, they're your two options. If you want to control the ball, it's Jackers in there. Otherwise it's probably El Neni. And then it's Sabios. Pepe doesn't get into this four four two because he doesn't work in those kind of positions. It's probably a Willian up there. Um if you look at the kind of players that play in those positions for the other clubs. You even have someone like James Ward-Prowse plays out in the kind of wider position, who's more of, you'd say, is generally like a centre mid. So you could have Sabios. That's why I've got someone like Sabios out there. Um, 
Willian as well because I think I think with the way his legs are going as Gert as well, you want someone who's got a bit of an engine about them, um, but doesn't have to be you know lightning quick like a winger kind of has to be. And then the two strikers are big man, little man, Lacazette and uh, Aubameyang. Can I just throw an alternate front two there? I would, I'd want to see. Pep I was in there just about to say that. Yeah, go on. Then. No, no, you go for it. Um, literally, all I was going to say is, you know, we all know that when he's in central spaces, that's where the magic happens. You know, that's where he looks like a, a top quality player. And um, I'd just be curious to see him just on the right of Bamiyan cutting in. Being, we've we've seen a bit of link up between them two. We've seen assists and goals coming from them too. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that tried out somehow. Yeah, I'll. I'll echo that I would, I would I mean Saka and if you have to go if you're playing that type of system Saka and William behind Aubameyang and Pepe I, I think yeah I mean look at Southampton they're playing Um, they played Theo Walker up front the other day imagine that <laughs> Theo, Theo up front <laughs> the amount of times I think that's where Wenger probably missed the trick didn't he he used to play him up front as a as a sort of single striker, maybe he needed a, a, a second man with him to imagine Giroud and Theo up front in those days. Oh, those are the days. That worked for about three games and then Wenger went there. Looks too good. Yeah, exactly. All right. We'll do a yes or no on this one. It's quite a simple one to keep time short. It's from witty remark 99. I'll go around again with a ma- with Obama Yang now aging all of a sudden he's aging (laughs) (laughs) and Laka not hitting his stride do Arsenal now need to look at bringing in another forward Danny yes well I think we're not going to play Balogun are we but we do need a Giroud a Balogun an Alan Smith a Kevin Campbell somebody's going to get out there and fuck shit up Josh uh, yeah, we yeah. As you say, it's kind of amazing how much signing that contract aged the Bamian. Because <laughs> <laughs> bef- beforehand he wasn't old, and now suddenly, put a paper on that, and that's it. Sorry. <laughs> suddenly, it was the moment that day. Oh, I bet we feel stupid, right? <laughs> bloody one day he signed that contract, and he bloody aged. That's it. He probably has to call it that age home in a wheelbarrow, and he's done for fuck's sake that's it right <laughs> get them all out that's why his farmy's leaving fucking signed a player up who immediately aged as soon as he touched the pen happened again <laughs> oh, it's like the reverse uh holy grail that he's gotten there with that right um but yeah we need to bring in somebody who's about i would say in terms of an age profile someone like he's like 25 just to give you an idea of where i kind of see them sitting like uh We've already mentioned Aubameyang. Over the hill Aubameyang, we'll now call him. Um, at old 31. man Uber. <laughs> oh, old man Uber. Uh, <laughs> Lacazette's 29, 30. So we need someone in there, but you know, not too young um, to block the pathway of Balogun. So I think someone's about 25. Ings. Danny Ings? God, he'd do a job, wouldn't he? <laughs> he would. The only thing I'm worried about Danny Ings is he is injury prone and Southampton seems like you know, he's not playing European football at the moment, so he doesn't have to put his body through as much strain yeah. and stress. Someone like Ollie Watkins. I was just exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> you um, dirty as, boy. As I'm watching the game, um, I probably a lot of Arsenal fans are looking at Grealish, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm looking at, I was looking at Ollie Watkins, just thinking, look at that hold-up play. 
oh, imagine if David Luiz pinging them into him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, the sad yeah. thing is, he's a 40, 50 million pound striker now because of what yeah, they yeah. stupidly paid for him. I mean, he was a 25 million pound striker and you gave him 32. Idiots. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, in Wikipedia, says he's the idol growing up as Thierry Henry. Yeah, well, man. he was saying in the interview after the game that his whole family is Arsenal fans, didn't he? Go on then, boy. Get in there. <laughs> he was saying <laughs> that his, his uncle and his dad are not going to be happy with him um, on the on the night. Uh, but yeah, I think though that, that ship is sailed when definitely not. Funny enough, Villa are quite a wealthy team with wealthy owners. Funny enough, uh, the, like I said, I've got a couple of guys that I work with that are Villa fans and they pointed that out to me a lot of times that they got some of the richest owners in world football. Even in the Premier League, if you check the the owners list, their owners are quite well off. So if they get to a level, you could see Villa doing some things. And one thing to point out, I know a lot of people talk about Balogun. He still hasn't signed a contract. So he is literally a couple of months away from us losing him. That's something that we need to probably... It's probably maybe not a great time to get rid of our contract negotiator um, when we need to sign up a good young player. But we'll see what happens. with Arteta will do what he's done with um, Saka. And I think it was Maitland-Niles to get them to sign new deals. Play them for like five games straight. Get them to sign the deal and then drop them. And then you never see them again. (laughs) See you later. Thanks. We've got what we needed. Four more years on your deal. That's that's good 20 million pounds if someone comes in. But yeah, I think um, Witty Remark was just saying he was referring to needing a striker in the next three years. We definitely will. I think we'll see a lot of changes, you know, in the next couple of windows. Um, obviously, money permitting. I think we will. We will have to. Uh, for me, I think one of our biggest regrets this summer is the amount of players that we've kept. I mean, our squad is just ridiculous. It's just like you, you forget that we have players like um, the bodyguard. Well, who's the, what's the bodyguard's name? Kalasinac. We've got so many players. Uh, Mar- Pablo Mari. We've got Cedric. I mean, these guys are not even close to getting a look in. And it's such a weird squad. Anyway, those are... Is, is, did you do the Nishan question, Danny? The Urzil one. William is the new Urzil. Should um, I do that? I don't know. Um, the, the owners of Aston Villa last April, April 2019, valued their Egyptian 7.5 million. So, uh, million? Million. You can buy on any's leg for that. No, billion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I think those are the questions, <laughs> to yeah. be fair. Yeah, good. Okay, yeah, Nishan's one was, uh, is William the new Urzel? Uh, no. I think French covered that before we went into the questions. Yeah. Oh, Thunder's helped us. He said the bodyguard, Kevin Costner. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Costner at wing back, inverted wing back. Um, right, there you go, people. So um, all we've got to do now is say your, your gentleman's nods or wave hello to somebody that you like. So um, while you lot are thinking of someone to say hello to, I'm going to go and do the... Oh, I've closed the bloody window for the podcast, haven't I? Because my computer's... Uh, That's all right, Danny. I can do mine whilst you, you uh, look for it. You uh, you, I'm, going to say, I'm going to do me. Uh, my big shout-out is to the best dinosaur that exists, 
in the world currently who is back from extinction. He's he's not called Lazarus, and I don't think Meza Ozil's got anything to do with it. But Gunasaurus <laughs> is back. You know, they uh, unfortunately the guy that used to be in the costume got made re- you know got made redundant slash took early retirement. Took the bloody Twitter password with him, didn't he? So uh, it, Gunasaurus hasn't tweeted for ages, but he's back. Uh, so my big shout out is to Gunasaurus um, because you know. He's the best dinosaur, and I can't think of any others that have come back from extinction. So, yeah, it's the feel-good story of 2020. Oh, well, time to be alive. Um, I'm going to share a screen with you lovely people here. It was Chris's idea to go and make us a thank you page for all the people that keep sticking money down our pants. So we've got the ABW Executive Toilet. If you are a YouTube member, of which is all those people, uh, Nick Wilson, Corey, Bill, J-Rob, Yemi, Michael, Mike, Julian, Carter, Folly, Sam, and the Believing Gooner, who is now the BG, or TBG, I think he's just changed his name to, or the YouTube donators, which is all them ones, or Twitch subscribers. Nishan was the last one to do that. There's no Josh on there, Josh, I see, and there's no Femi either. Quite disappointed by that. And uh, PayPal donators, or Twitch donators and PayPal donators, they know who they are. Every now and then we get the same people stuffing uh, dollary dues down our pants. So that's what you're going to do. If you give us any money or anything, I say you get bugger all. Now you get a badly photoshopped picture of a shitty toilet stuck to a page. And, uh, yeah, what better way to say thank you to the people who give us their hard-earned money, eh, Josh? I'm too kind. Femi, anyone you want to wave hello to? Yes, I am going to pick the person that responded to the show going live so the tweets that we put out on twitter his name is at kings kingy underscore 101 that's k-i-n-g-y underscore 101 and he said he's really looking forward to the show and keep up the good work so just a shout out to him to say thank you for your reply on twitter french i just read your battery's about to die so do you want to quickly say hello to anyone just in case you disappear I'm drawing a blank. After that weekend, there's no one particularly I feel fond of. But um, I'll, I'll say hello to my missus. She's an Arsenal fan. She'll be watching. You're right, Bruce. Hey, lovely and jubbly. Right, the next show we have coming up is going to be, hopefully we're going to do like an ABW special where we just all get together, talk fantasy football. John and Chris can talk about shaving their balls with the lovely people at Manscaped. are going to send us loads of stuff. I'm going to use it for shaving my head because uh yeah it's getting a little bit long and we're also doing a special it's going to be me chris and jeff arsenal sophie amanda and the legend that is kevin campbell i'm still not over george graham letting him go and bringing in fucking john hartson what were you thinking you scottish twat um yeah and so that's coming up next in the next couple of weeks it's an international break so i might go and do some live twitch shows of me sitting here eating crisps and shouting at my cats. Uh, other than that, has anyone got any interesting plans for the weekend or the international break, Josh? Are you going to be uh, out running around up the north with uh, on your bike with your new special socks and a hat? Uh, potentially. Maybe. Ooh. I don't know. Taking arty photos of old bridges. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the only thing you can do at the moment. That will sneeze over the old people. Oh, bless them. They don't know they're born. Femi, any plans for the international break? No, I'm not watching any football. I've had enough Good. of football. Good. We cannot watch it together. And French, any any plans for the international break that you can share with the, the wonderful viewing public? 
Yeah, I'm getting into non-football stuff. I'm re- like releasing some music and that sort of good stuff. So um, I'm releasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting out some music. Yeah. So hopefully, like these two weeks will give me a nice kind of chance to reset. And what reset. sort of music do you do? Um, like rap, hip hop, French, UK rap, kind of mix up. Yeah, oh, well, let people know. Tell them, tell them where they can find your your stuff. Um, if you looking on Spotify, J A S I, Jassy, J A S I. Um, you find me, all my music's on there. Oh, lovely. Well, when you, do you tweet that you're doing it? Um, I will tweet you, Danny. Uh, yeah. I usually don't do it for my from this like football account. I used to troll opposition fans, but for this specifically, I will. I'll let everyone know. So, yeah, if you follow me on uh, French Guna 23, you'll, you'll, I'll tweet some from there. Oh, there you go. If you include the, the, uh, the, the podcast Twitter in that, I should give that a retweet and people can go and listen to your music. Appreciate it. Man. Yes. Thank you. Lovely. Right, thank you very much, gentlemen. You have all been, uh, well, two of you have been good and the other one has been Josh. Don't want to say Thanks. that. See, look, there you go, <laughs> Twitch subscriber. I've got the emojis and shit. Deal with it. I'm, I'm a done. Twitch subscriber. Oh, there, well, I, Amazon Prime. I'd like to say thank you very much to Josh for the Amazon Prime. That's very kind of you, Josh. I wonder why you've yeah. been so quite devious. It's because I was trying to check it. Uh, <laughs> shitty like third party authentication that you need to get into Twitch desktop oh, to I still can't find where I sign up to it but it's apparently I'm on a two month streak as well <laughs> yeah apparently so you're I no longer a free scumbag I still am I'm, st- I'm still using my free money that I get from Jeff Bezos to give myself uh, money so yeah still freeloader Lovely. Right, I'm going to shut up and end this because it's going on too long. Thank you very much, everybody. We have been a bird count wonderland. I'm still not wearing any pants, and we will see you in a couple of, or a week or so. I can't wait. It's just like Christmas. Goodbye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.